and welcome to Avatar The Last Korra. I am Judy. And I am also Judy, and we're here to welcome you to our wonderful city. I mean, podcast. Uh, yeah, we're we're heading to Ba Sing Se! Woo! In both Korra and Avatar. Like, there's some just, like, great, like, lineups. It's the big bad Ba Sing right Se, Ba Sing Day. <laughs> what is, what, Big Trouble in Little China? Big Trouble in Ba Sing Se? It's Big Se. Trouble in Little Ba Sing Se. Se. It's happening. Um, guys... Turns out that that's where Appa's going from the Sandbenders. They sold him to a guy who's gonna take him to Ba Sing Se, so they have to go there. And uh, this one's all about refugees and border control, and it's interesting. <laughs> kind of, yeah. Um, it's it's literally about like a, a pregnant refugee come, trying to get into the into the city to escape persecution and has to literally go over a giant serpent-infested waters to try and get there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, this has got some messages for our kids, you know. <laughs> indoctrinating we, we up, our children. We grew up being indoctrinated into thinking that refugees are humans. And they deserve yeah. our respect. It's absolutely Crazy. insane what they'll put on TV, David. Um, <laughs> yeah, so... It's really interesting because, you know, it's all of these people, like, looking for safety and security behind the the great walls of Ba Sing Se, the impenetrable walls. But, um, you know, like, that's sort of the main thrust of the Serpent's Pass is trying to get there. Um, And in the drill, it's about defending those walls. But then in Cities of Walls and Secrets, it's all about... Questioning. The sociological effect of having a walled city, a city right. that is comprised of different walls and different levels of walls, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and sort of what what it means to use walls for safety, um, like like what the other side of that coin is basically, like exactly. you know you you have safety, but what are you giving up for that? Um, but that's getting it's getting ahead of ourselves a little bit. Um, I, I also want to say it's interesting that I, I feel like the Serpent's Pass is a very, like, post-9-11 episode, too. You know? Okay. Is that is that weird? Like, like Because, it, it's, again, it's asking, like, what are the costs of, like, maintaining order and being safe and, like, dealing with uh, sort of these threats uh, of, of the Fire Nation, of this... this country uh at war with sure but i mean mainly it's just like you know people are trying to get in and they don't have the proper paperwork you know they don't have a passport which (laughs) you know that was that existed (laughs) pre-9-11 i mean sure it did but but like it wasn't like you guys have to give up your weapons to get on this ferry and so then (sighs) when they don't have their weapons it's like then they get attacked or robbed or something like, well, right. That would be okay. a post nine eleven episode. <laughs> we should all have guns on planes. The end. Um, the end. Yeah, I don't know. The, I feel like there's just like certain questions that come up in in these episodes that feel the feel post nine eleven y But maybe right. I'm wrong. Well, well, basically, let's just you know just jump in where we jump in. Um, yeah. So we start off with. The, the gang is now suddenly, like, out of the desert and away from the sandbenders. We mm-hmm. didn't really see that happen. 
but um, you know, now we just know that they have to try and get into the uh, <laughs> into bossing. Say they make friends with a lovely couple. Um, yes, who who's are the... a couple of refugees, one of whom is pregnant. They're the, the refugees one. that Zuko declined to steal from in Zuko Alone. Yeah, it's a, well, they're reused character models, let's say. <laughs> I mean, I guess. It's um, basically the same characters. Yeah. They're the same, I mean, they are the same, but we've only <laughs> seen them from a distance. And right, only right. to demonstrate Sokka's, or uh, uh, Zuko's, Zuko's mommy issues. <laughs> yes, um... But yeah, so they they meet this lovely couple. They travel to the boat pass because Sokka wants to take the serpents pass, but they're like, no, let's take the chill ass ferry ride. And um, you know, right, we like we see Toph using her family name to sort of help them get to their destination. And and this is sort of the first of many times we'll see Toph. Um, using the privilege that she was born to and born with, uh, even though she has sort of abandoned it in favor of a different way of living on a day-to-day basis, she still knows how to sort of, like, grease grease the wheels. Yeah. Um, she can code switch. She can, yeah. you know, uh, use her privilege as a, you know, as a weapon. Mm-hmm. Um, and she doesn't abandon it just because she abandons the the money in the home. She still was raised in privilege. It's, right. it's definitely interesting and, and useful. And I just also like how she refers to the two of them as her valets. <laughs> yes. Um, it, it's pretty great. And I just love the, there's a lot of bureaucracy in, in this, these couple of episodes. And uh, I, I think in the earth kingdom in general, in Bossing say we see a lot of ways that, bureaucracy is sort of used to like slow processes down and can create issues um, through that slowing of a process. But uh, I, I just love that the the customs lady is like, Ooh, this is so official. I'll grant you all passports. <laughs> like, yeah. It's just amusing to me. Uh, but turns out the nice couple get their belongings stolen. And so, they can't get across, and so they decide to escort them through the dangerous serpents pass uh, and, and go that yeah, way themselves. It's sort of a callback to um, the Great Divide back in season one. Yeah. You know, there are these refugees they need to get from point A to point B, and Aang takes a break from his busy schedule of trying to stop the Fire Lord to help them, because that's just mm-hmm. what he does. Yeah. And I don't think that happens that much in Korra, where we just sort of... No. Because there's no filler. There's no room or time for filler. Right. There's so no we don't room have time. a lot of people just taking breaks to help out the everyone, the everyman, you know? Right. And, and I think in Korra, they explicitly say, like, your job is not to solve everyone's day-to-day problems. Your job is to bring balance to the world. Which, <laughs> and... yeah, that's what Aang does, too. But he he's a hero because he sees suffering as his duty to resolve. Right. And... I think that there's there's good moral lessons in that for us. Oh, absolutely, I agree. Um, so while while they're here, though, we get another character coming back. It's Suki. Suki's remember, back. Remember from uh, Kyoshi Island, and she kissed Sokka on the cheek, and she does that again here, and he's like, "You don't have face paint, but you're still that girl." Omg. Yeah. That actually surprised. Um, I, I didn't recognize her at first, but then I, I didn't did. either. 
Yeah, um, I mean, it's good because, like, clearly the it's the same model, mm-hmm. um, you know, the same animated model, but you just, like, it's been so long. You forget the voice, you forget the uh, the face, and it's quick enough that you don't get a chance to register who it is before, yeah, you find out that it was the, the face paint lady. You're right. Um, so, you know, she ends up deciding to hang out with them and, and go with them through the Serpent's Pass, um... And we get sort of like a, a subplot where Sokka is really overprotective of her, um, even though like he intellectually knows that like she's a capable warrior who can protect herself. Uh, right. But it's, well, it's an emotional dealing... thing because he lost his first right. girlfriend in like one of the most tragic ways possible. <laughs> right, like he he's still suffering the like PTSD of that, and you know, and right. then like he has an honest conversation with her about it and you know there's a little like will they won't they that goes on uh throughout the episode but by the end they do end up sharing a kiss before she goes back to sort of hang out with the kiyoshi warriors wherever they might be because it turns out that she was only there to protect him and that's the irony and it's cute yeah it Uh, is cute um there's an unintended sort of narrative though which is that uh it might just be impossible for sokka to kiss anyone at night (laughs) because (laughs) he's just very self-conscious of the moon staring at him it's his ex-girlfriend just like looking at him um i will say just be like a daytime lover yeah and that's it i will say the the kiss at the end is accompanied by like the worst line sokka ever says where you know suki's like I'm sorry that I tried to kiss you before. It wasn't my place and blah, blah, blah. And he's just like, babe, you talk too much. And then just smooches her. And I was like, who are you? What is this? It's just a trope. It's, you it's... know, it, it was supposed to be played, like, ironically because Ugh. Sokka's usually the one who babbles and talks too much. Yeah, but I don't know. It doesn't really work. It's, it's like, trying too hard to be Han Solo, and it's just really cringy. And yeah, I'm not, not about it. Um, anyway. Sokka is not Han Solo. <laughs> Anyway, you know, so so Aang is also dealing with his own loss and grief uh, this episode where, you know, he's he's still dealing with losing Appa and, you know, it's still their reason for getting to Ba Sing Se. And, you know, he's sort of, they, they philosophically talk about what it means to have hope and what it means to sort of abandon hope and, you know... Right, because it says, abandon hope, all ye who enter here. Right, right. Like, Maybe we should abandon hope, because the monks taught us that hope is a distraction. And that, that's cute, and and it just more so fits with his mood. Because he right. just wants to block out all emotion, and he says this explicitly. I mean, not all of this is shown in the most subtle way. No. But it makes sense, you know? Yeah. He's in grief, and he's sort of mixed up the stages of grief a little bit. He started with anger and then went to denial, but, you know, hey, uh, everyone has their own stages of grief. Right, right. So, you know, he's... He's... Right. Or maybe he's, he's in depression now. I don't know. Uh, it's whatever. Yeah, but but the, whatever it is, this is his coping mechan- method, his coping mechanism, where, you know, he's just trying to focus on the here and now, so he doesn't have to think about how sad he is about Appa. Um, and as they're crossing the the lake, you know, at first they're shot at by some Fire Nation ships, uh, and then eventually they're attacked by a giant snake, 
And there's a cute moment where they're all running across an ice bridge to safety and Toph ends up falling in the water and can't swim and she thinks Sokka's gonna rescue her, but it's Suki and she she thanks Sokka with a with a kiss at the end on the cheek and goes, Oh, thank you, Sokka, my hero And Suki's like, No, it's me and she's like, Okay, you can I'll drown. That's fine. <laughs> it's just relatable. <laughs> Yeah, like I also think all... that was some. I think that was a tiny little bit of queer baiting for Toph. Um, which oh, really? With. I think it was. Uh, I, I mean, I can see that. Even unintentionally, I mean, yeah. it was like just. I mean, Toph already exhibits some sort of gender non-conforming traits, right? Um, and you know, she she's very butch, uh, right? And, and like, so, I don't think you'd like, be wrong for reading the scene that way. Right. You know, it's just tough kissing a girl. That's yeah. all. That's... No homo. <laughs> no homo. Um, so, yeah, we're, 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 in, we're in the shit. There's a serpent on Serpent's Pass. Go figure. Yeah. Uh, but they defeat it, and it's fine, and they get out. Yeah, but there's also, you know, like a big Fire Nation ship firing fireballs at them. Right. There's rocks falling, and there's slippery ledges. So, I mean, there's a lot of danger on this path. Right. Uh, that you really couldn't get by unless you had multiple uh, benders there. So I'm <laughs> right. glad that they decided to go with them. Yes, ab- absolutely. Uh, so they make it through, but then of course the minute they do, the baby's coming! And then Katara helps deliver a baby. Um, and then, you know, Aang sees the baby and cries and is like, you should name that baby Hope. And then they do. That's not what he says. <laughs> I mean, he like all but says it. And then the mom's like, you're right. I should name the baby what you just said. Hope. <laughs> uh, <Okay>. <laughs> like it felt redundant when the mom said it somehow. Uh, yeah. anyway, so then Aang's like, now I'm feeling hopeful again. Maybe I will find Appa. I'm going to fly on ahead and meet you guys there. And he does, but then there's a giant drill, and that's the cliffhanger that we end on. Oh, basically yeah, Aang's but there was also a B-plot this episode. There's what? There's a B-plot. There is! We get more Zuko Iroh stuff. Uh, and another, another character callback. Yeah, I mean, I think that this is what Avatar does a lot, is like... Just have one episode where you reintroduce a bunch of other characters um, to remind everybody that there is continuity in this show. Um, <laughs> we had one in season one where a bunch of side characters came back, and then one here, Jet and Suki back in the same episode. Boom. Also, Longshot and Smellerby, but no sneers. What happened no to sneers? sneers? Bring back the sneers. <laughs> oh, God. And, and the Duke and... Uh... The Duke's not here. I know. Where where is he? Bring no, back... but I don't care about him. I just care about oh, sneers. You just love sneers. All right. Hashtag well... sneers fan club. <laughs> Come on, guys. Oh boy. Uh... Bring back our sneers. Sorry. Right. <laughs> I honestly don't even remember what sneers looked like. Exactly. He's the only character that matters to me because nobody knows who he is, what he looks like. And he doesn't come back at all since that one episode in season one. And uh, it's like they've forgotten him. I mean, it's really heartbreaking. All right. Truly the biggest tragedy of Avatar is the the relegation of sneers. Um, but so, you know, we've got the Lost Boys back again. And the Edgy Boys 
uh, of, of Zuko joins in with them to, to steal some food from the captain of the ship, and Iroh's down for it because he's just a hungry man. So, you know, they get into it, and Jet's like, I bet this guy would be great for our gang. And Zuko's like, yeah, maybe. <laughs> uh, <Right>. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Um, if anybody oh. watches um, the, that YouTube series of like what your favorite blank ship says about you from oh, doing yeah. that double cast, um, like the one on Avatar lists the uh, Zuko jet pairing as what's better than one edgy boy, two edgy two boys. Edgy boys. <laughs> yeah, basically. <laughs> basically. Very true. Um, they're um, both just so yeah, edgy, but they're edgy in different ways, and I do like the way like the dynamic develops between the two of them. Um, but yeah, also there's a, a throwaway, not a throwaway line necessarily, but it was sort of the line where we all found out that Smeller Bee's a girl. Um, but part of me now is like, trans girl Smeller Bee headcanon, you know, there's nothing in there that, uh, disproves it. So we never, I, I'm living see, it. We never <laughs> see the genitals. <laughs> I, I don't know why to, to bring that in, but okay. What do you mean? Why not? Like, like it. <laughs> I mean, anybody could be trans in the well, universe. Well, yes, like, yes. You can read anybody that way. That's true. That's true. Um, um I just, you know, I, I just think it's this, this like, odd sort of throwaway line. Um, it doesn't really come back for her character. Um, right. Maybe it was just, like, they got a lot of notes from, like, the studio heads. Like, why are you casting a girl in this role uh, or, when it's so clearly a guy? Like, why are you doing the voice like this? Or um, I think maybe it was... I don't even know if it's necessarily from the studio. That. It might have been from fans, because, like, I remember thinking Smellerby was a boy. Like, I, I did not know that she was a girl until they said this. So. Yeah. Well, I mean, Iroh is hashtag canceled. Is, is the uh, yeah. Get by Iroh. Misgendered. Piece he of shit. He did not ask her pronouns. Throw him off the boat. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but so, so they steal some food, they steal from the rich and give to the poor, they're good people, um, and yeah. then uh, Zuko says, I'm not going to join your group. Not going to join your gang. He's a, he's a but bastard. we'll see, we'll see. Um, now we're in the drill, and it's time to drill baby drill into this the wall. This is not a drill. <laughs> this is not a drill. This is for real. Uh, basically... We also find out that not only is this giant drill about to, like, fuck up this wall, but Azula and her gang are the people inside of it. And I just love yeah, that, like... Yeah, we find out what they've been doing since the chase, which we, you know, haven't figured out. But I guess right. they, like, they lost track of them and they were like, alright, fuck it, let's just... Let's Conquer just destroy say. the major cities. Right, like, I love that, like, that's her plan B of, like, well, I can't find the Avatar right now, so I'll just, like become a conqueror and be it's fine (laughs) yeah and she gets pretty far i mean she gets as far as her uncle did basically yeah it's it's pretty impressive in one day Um, in one day with definitely a a lot fewer casualties i'm gonna guess um zero casualties right but so you know ang sort of is is trying to tell the general there like hey there's this giant drill coming. Are you going to do something about it? Let me help. And he's like, no, 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 I've got it. Silly boy. Um, and I think this really sets up like the main 
antagonizing force in the Bossing Say arc, where it's all about the gang versus authority. You know, like it's all these people yeah, in authority. Yeah, because they just see them as children. You know, they don't take them seriously. Right, uh, or they do take they them seriously, have... and they and yeah, they don't want to. Bossing face... Say they've always done things a certain way, so like. Why should they change it just because these kids came along who say they have right. the Avatar? Right. Um, and, and I think that's, like, a big thing with Bossing Say that we'll also see in, in Korra, too, where there's this very... There's this internal prestige and internal logic that sort of powers a lot of the machinations that go on there, and it's always at odds with what our, our protagonists are actually trying to do or accomplish. Right. Um, but not in the way that Cora does it, where Cora is just like the president hates me and I have low approval ratings. So, no, but I'm specifically talking about Cora in Bossing Say. Oh right, I see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but so we're still an Avatar for now. <laughs> um, mm. So you know, they're they're trying to figure out what to do about this drill, um, and they there's a bunch of dudes who get taken down by Tai Lee. Um, and Katara is sort of like treating them and she, she makes the comment. It's like I was taken down from the, the inside. And that's when Sokka gets his brilliant idea to take down the drill from the inside, which is Ugh, a pretty good plan. I just am such a sucker for realization plan making scenes. Yeah. Something where somebody says something and it suddenly gives someone inspiration. I, I'm such a sucker. You can get me any time <laughs> with that. It's easy. Um, but it happens so rarely, uh, in, right. in both shows. Uh, yeah, I mean, they were pestering Sokka for a plan earlier, because the whole idea is, like, we're trying to cement Sokka as the strategist, because right. everybody Someone else is so powerful in their one-on-one -on -one combat, uh, right. that Sokka's kind of left in the dust. <laughs> um, <sighs> and this one really highlights that and sort of finalizes the dynamic, I think. Um, yeah, absolutely. And it, it finalizes the dynamic, and it's also the episode where they talk about um, having a team name. Like, they, they come across uh, this group of Earthbenders called the Terra Team, and Sokka's yeah. like, yeah, again, very in keeping with his character, like, he loves the aesthetic of it, like, the idea yeah. of having a team name, and so, you know, the entire episode, he's just sort of, like, pitching, pitching names, um, and it sort of ends with him continuing to, to throw out ideas, um. And I think yeah, well, there were the Ang Gang, the, the Boomerang Gang, Squad, the, boomerang. Yeah. Uh, the Fearsome Foursome, right? Um, and Team and Avatar, I, which is the one Avatar. that apparently stuck. Yes, it is the one that stuck. Though I believe online everyone calls them the Gang, but with two A's. Right, and I mean it's just that's part of what made it weird that Bo Lin immediately pitched Team Avatar. Like, right. How would he have known that, and why would that have been a commonly known thing? Like, was Sokka right like... that they did need a team name? Because <laughs> in the episode, we laugh it off. Like, they don't need a team name. They're just they are the Avatar and his friends. Right, exactly. Um, that that's It's like one of those empty feelings in, in Korra that comes from, uh, like... It, it comes from that idea of, like, well, we had it in Avatar, so we should do it here, too. But, like, ignores right. why, it, why it worked in the original and, like, exactly. why it's not working here. Um, but, yeah, so they, they basically come up with this plan to infiltrate the drill and to cut through 
the sort of support systems. Um, to... Well, they don't know what they're going to do at first. They just oh, don't know, true. like, we got to get inside the grill to the drill to destroy it from there because destroying it from the outside isn't working. Right. Um, and, and then they get in some... and there's another quick problem solve, which I thought was really cool, where they're like, well, how are we going to find a map of this place? Oh, well, we'll just get an engineer down here. Well, how do you do that? Well, you just start breaking stuff. It's it's great. And Katara does some insane, terrifying water bending where she turns steam to ice instantly, which, like, that's got to hurt. Youchers. Sublimation. Um, and, you know, they steal the plans, and then this is where they decide, all right, we're going to cut down the the metal bars that are sort of the pressure points in here, and the whole thing should just collapse. Um, but then they quickly discover, and Toph once again sort of stays outside. Um, and I think this is what you were referring to last episode, where she just yeah. kind of ends up doing a lot of holding things for yeah. other people, where she's trying to like stop the drill however she can from the outside. Um, yeah. And it's not it's not going great, but she does she does enough. Um, and so it's taking Aang and Katara a long time to cut through these metal poles with uh, with water bending. Just by throwing water back and forth. They're basically oh, eroding right. it. Right, <laughs> which is insane. Um, yeah. But, and, you know, it's taking them a long time, and it's, it's not going fast enough. Uh, and, like, they've already made contact with the wall, but they're... Um, they've only cut through one pole, and so they come up with the idea, or Sokka comes up with the idea, right? To No, it was Aang, because he's talking Aang. about um, Toph uh, in talking about earthbending combat. Yes. You don't want to just put all your power into one hit. You want to do a bunch of small hits uh, in mm -hmm. order to take down your opponent. So right. they're like, let's divide and conquer. Let's you know cut up just a few, uh, just halfway through a bunch of different... Uh, different spaces then we can right. like fill the space up with water or something and then hit it from the top and then it'll just like explode right right and and like it's so smart um and it, it i love it too because it also takes other concepts that we've already sort of again have been established in the avatar world um where like you get uh you in, back in season one, like episode three, where Zuko's doing the Agni Kai, right? Um, mm -hmm. Like, Iroh's advice to him is, like, break his base. Like, that's how you, like, you get to someone. You know, you destabilize them. And that's basically the same thing that, that Toph was talking about uh, in, in her teaching to Aang that, that he pulls out for this plan. And, and I just like the way that it all feels like it connects, you know, like Aang is learning things in one part of his life that's connecting to another part in his life that connects to another philosophy that we've already seen in the show. And like, there's just this feeling of like continuing, uh, continuity, excuse me, uh, that I, that I really like. And I feel like it works and we don't see that often in Korra. Yeah. Um, Quick little side note, uh, there's a scene where they're all underground, um, and Sokka's like, I can't see anything, and then <laughs> Toph says, oh no, what a nightmare. I just like that she has like a little like comeback whenever yeah. somebody says something ableist. Yeah, she's great. And, and he immediately apologizes, you know, mm -hmm. it's, you know, it's, people it's slip good. up. People say things that are ableist that they don't mean, uh, and then it's it's just nice to put the uh, the person with the disability on top of that situation and then to 
you know, uh, just have the, the character who accidentally was able is to just say sorry and move on. Right, exactly. And, like, it doesn't... It, it's it's just... Toph is some really good, I think, disability writing in... Especially in a fantasy landscape. Um, like, we don't often comeback see that. Writing. Comeback writing? <laughs> yeah, she's good at writing comebacks. Oh, yes. <laughs> yes, she's great at comebacks. Um, the, queen of, the queen of the comeback. Uh, but so... <sighs> Basically, they find out, uh, or Azula and Tylee and May find out that the Avatar is the one sabotaging shit, and they go after them, uh, and Sokka and Katara, is it, run out the, the back end? They kind of get, like, yeah, they, they out of this thing. Yeah, they sneak out through the slurry exit, which, I, when I first watched the episode, I didn't really understand what slurry was and why it existed they were like it's rock and water mixed together and it's like no it's because they are hitting the wall and they're like carving out little pieces of it and then with water they're washing moving it it away yeah and out of the 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 back they're disposing of the pieces of the wall rather than just having it all build up in the front of the drill right um so just in case anyone else was confused by that when they first saw it like i was (laughs) Um, yeah, I, I mean, I think I, I got that. I just can't get over how much, like, poop it is. It's just... It, it doesn't look like poop. It looks like rocks and water. It looks like diarrhea. It's so gross. I, I really hate everything that has to well, do with the slurry. May agrees with you, which is why yeah. only Tylee is able to go down there. Um, yeah. Katara calls her a circus freak, which, I mean... I, like, sure, she can do cartwheels, but it's kind of surprising that she immediately makes the association with, like, the circus. Circus. I mean, I guess her outfit's kind of... Not knowing that she of... actually was in the circus. Her her outfit is a little circusy though. Alright, sure. Like, I I mean, fair enough. It's a nitpick, you know? It's it's a small thing. No, I mean, it's it's not a nitpick. It's just, like, the, it's they're setting that up here that she doesn't like to be called circus freak. Um, yeah. Which comes back later. But... I just think it's interesting that, like, everybody can identify her immediately as a circus performer. <laughs> right. She's just got that energy, man. You know? Yeah, she's she got the like vibe. Yeah, energy. Mad um, clown energy. <laughs> mad clown energy from my girl, Tylee. Um, but, yeah, so so Katara, basically, once she and Sokka get out of the, the machine, the drill, um, they, she starts blocking it up with uh with with the slurry and it sort of starts right. backing up even even more throughout the whole drill and then eventually Toph joins her and it it really starts to go crazy inside there um meanwhile yeah, Azula I think, I think in retrospect like it wouldn't have worked unless they had that idea as well so that's you know interesting storytelling it's not like the plan goes according to plan or the plan fails it's like the plan is a an amorphous thing. It can change on a whim. If you find out that you can't cut through all of the the poles, you cut through half of them. If you find mm-hmm. that you know there's a bunch of slurry coming out the back, you just plug up that hole and then it fills up, and then it's all ready to explode with one final hit. Right, exactly. Um, and so that's what Aang's mission is after they've cut through all of the the bars. Um, but Azula is chasing him, so they have a really great fight on top of this drill, and like yeah. And he's using all three elements for the first mm-hmm. time in a, in a fight. And it's really cool. And uh, Azula is 
is doing some great firebending and just, like, kicking rocks out of the way like a badass, and it's great. Um, yeah, but and ev- Aang's bending water at her, and right, you know, uh, uh, they're bending, and eventually though, the rock fist. I, I yes, classic rock fist. Um, but I, I like the thing that sort of defeats her is the fact that they are blocking the slurry up, and this it's this like mini explosion of slurry that sort of knocks her off of the drill, and Aang is only able to recover thanks to Momo. Um, so it's this. It's this nice moment. Um, and then, you know, takes a giant wedge, sticks it in this uh, hole that he's made, again, with, with water. Um, and he sort of bemoans that he, he wishes that someone could metal bend. Blah, if only. <laughs> <laughs> Careful what you wish for, Aang. Um, and uh, does this just epic fucking sonic run up the wall and then back down to just smash this thing and it's great i love it it's very good yeah and then you know it's just like he defeated a big boss you Uh, did it yeah so the these two episodes were also marketed as a movie the serpent's pass and the drill it was called, mm. like, Secrets of the Fire Nation or something, where it doesn't have anything to do with... The Fire Nation. Or the Fire Nation, really. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, they were just trying to capitalize on the fact that they did one two-part movie before, and the drill kind of felt like a big, epic finale sort of thing, even though it's, you know, just three-quarters of the way through the season, basically. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, and and there they... was a B-plot in this one, too, uh, despite all the crazy stuff that we were just describing. Oh, God, yes. Uh, we also see, you know, Iroh and uh, and Zuko finally arriving in Ba Sing Se, and uh, Jet sees, uh, sees Iroh heating his tea with firebending because it's too cold, mm-hmm. and that just sparks a whole conflict. Yeah, Jet's like, oh shit, you can't join my gang because you're fucking Fire Nation. And like, Smeller being Longshot are like, yo, chill, maybe. And it's hard. Like, I, I, the reason I love this is because like, Jet goes about this in like the stupidest way possible, but he's right, you know? Like, like everyone yeah. else is technically gaslighting him, but like, he's right. <laughs> But we yeah. also want Zuko and Iroh to, like, not be discovered because we've grown to care about these characters so much that, you know, well, we're it's sort just, of rooting against him. It's just literally Jet him. being racist in, like, more ways than one. Like, not only does he, like, uh, hate firebenders enough that he, like, even if they were just refugees, he would want to have them killed because he thinks they're spies. Uh, but he also, like is very quick to assume someone is a firebender, (laughs) you know, and he's kind of like red scare, sort of fearful of like anybody who, uh, who might be a dissenter or a secret spy. Right. Um, yeah. And we'll, we'll, there's, there's a lot more with that in the next episode, city of walls and secrets. Um, yeah, which this, this one's so good. I forgot how just amazing this episode is. Like, what a good way to simultaneously introduce, uh, the, like, the city and the society, but also, like, the antagonists that your protagonists are going to be up against while they're in this 
this world. Like it's it's just done really well. Um, yeah, it's fantastic. You know, um, and and so- the. The drill actually ends with, I, I believe it's the gang taking a tram car into Ba Sing Se for the first time, sort of being like, how hard could it be to find a giant bison? And turns out, hard. It's hard. Because <laughs> the city is big. Um, yeah, so I, I, we're, we're entering this city, and uh, Toph has like a, a line where she says, you know, get ready to be handled, you know. You know, this city is like so snooty and controlling. She's not in for it. And right. I like that she has kind of a knowledge of the rigidity of their society that right. uh, she's like, this is an airbender don't. This is everything I was running away from. Just be fucking prepared. Yeah. Um, but she's not like, I'm not going in with you or anything like that. She's right. just like, all right, you know, you, you guys need me. I have the experience. <laughs> So we're really getting like a look at the the world building of the the city. Um, we're we're seeing the walls. We're seeing the rigid class structure. Mm-hmm. You know, people in the outer ring are destitute and living in squalor. People in the middle ring are just you know sort of financial middlemen. You know, your your bourgeois sort of uh, middle class, and then you have your upper upper class and royalty and and government ministers and stuff. Right. Um, and they're all being led around by this woman named Judy, who is, uh, you know, very, it reminds me a lot of North Korean, uh, like, tour propaganda. Who try to, yeah, propaganda. Um, and, you know, why shouldn't they have a propaganda sort of tourist thing? But it's still just sort of naturally creepy how she won't listen to them when they're right. talking about the real political issues that they're facing. Yes, and and I mean, um, like, if we're talking tropes, she's just, like, Stepford smile, you know, like, just this unending yeah. smile that that will not go away, cannot be deterred, um, and, you know, her job is to, to make them feel like they're sort of being listened to, and that one day they'll have the opportunity to maybe talk to someone, but, like, of course not actually, um, because... There, there's a line that she says where um, she's like, the walls outside protect us and then the walls inside maintain order. And that's like, you know, order above all else is sort of the uh, modus operandi of bossing say. Exactly. Um, and then meanwhile, you know, Iroh and Zuko are also trying to, to settle in um, and Iroh has the great line, or, you know, he, he's bought some flowers to put in the house, and, uh, he's like, I want it to look nice, you know, in case you bring home a lady friend, and, you know, Zuko's very much like, I'm, I'm not looking to make a life here, um, and then, you know, Iroh says, life happens wherever you are, no, no matter what you plan or not, and, like, it's just, it's so true, and he's... right wonderful and and like that that's that's part of what he's trying to instill in Zuko at this point is that there is not one path for life that he has to stick to and that there are other options um and 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 that's that's going to be Zuko's arc throughout the rest of the the season we'll see um yep but meanwhile Back with world building, I mean, there's also, we were introduced to the Dai Li, who are introduced as the cultural authority of Ba Sing Se, mm-hmm. which, I mean, this is such good 
like world building and just the language of it. I mean, you you don't know it's there until it's not there. Like these are secret police, and I think in a lesser show they would have been introduced as like, oh yes, those are the police. They keep you know they they stop crimes. They you know and and they. Uh, you know, eliminate dissent or something, and it would be really right. like, sinister. But they're like the cultural authority of our city. It's very nice, very like uh, propagandistic, and right. yeah, I guess they do in some ways maintain the culture by rooting out and eliminating anybody who has a different idea about how the city should be run. <laughs> right. Um, but I mean, there's something about the the term cultural authority that is like. Like, it's a little intimidating, you know? It's, it's extremely intimidating. Yeah, so... so right, the Dai Li are just this this great threat that, you know, they, they start out as just mildly ominous, and they it only gets worse from there, basically. Right. Um, but um, so... They have to wait six to eight weeks to see the Earth King, so they start oh, looking no, no, around no. the city. They, they have to wait six to eight weeks for their... their uh, request to be processed, not to mention right. when they would ever actually get an audience with the Earth King. Um, you know, just like more bureaucracy sort of like blocking blocking the way. Uh, and exactly. so Katara finds out that the king is having a birthday party for his bear. And everyone's like, oh, you mean his sloth bear or his platypus bear or his whatever bear? And she's like, no, it's just a bear. And everyone's really freaked out by this. And, like, yeah. I love... And this is also just this... good storytelling. It's like, if you can't get in to see the Earth King, you've got to create some kind of scheme. But right. it wouldn't be a scheme of just, let's break in. But it's like, let's crash a party, you know? That's right. Classic, like, D&D style. Like, if you were a dungeon master, you would, uh, you know, you would you would add that little... Like, there's an invitation to a party right. if your gang got stuck in a, in a quest. Right, right. Um, so, so, yeah, it's, it's, it's really good. And uh, I, I also love it because it really just shows that, like, there is something perverting, quote-unquote, nature in Bossing Say. You know, things are... Hmm. The, the, the order that we see here is an unnatural order. Um, you know, like, this bear is only one thing, like, as it quote-unquote should be, but it's seen as wildly unnatural to people who know, like, what the norm is in the rest of the Earth Kingdom world. Like, it's I mean, imposed. I thought that was more of just, like, a throwaway joke, like... <laughs> I mean, yes, but but I think that you can read into it, you know? Like, I, like I don't know... we've had so many fusion animals, and then to just have a regular bear. <laughs> yeah. Funny. I don't know. To me, it just always read as, like, the Earth Kingdom has this weird relationship to, like, nature. Or not the Earth Kingdom, but Ba Sing Se in particular. Um, mm. Yeah, so, you know... I mean, they the, say the city is weird. Yeah. The the scheme to get in is that Katara and Toph are going to be fancy ladies, and Aang and Sokka are going to be fucking waiters, because they're too unclassy and could never pull it off. <laughs> Yep. Uh, it's, I mean, the, the, the original plan, again, like they're so good at like having plans that go awry and then they tweak them a little bit and then things go more awry. Um, because their original plan was that, uh, Katara and Toph would just go in 
because they look fancy, and then they would let the two of them in in normal clothes in the side door. But then they get blocked, uh, you know, because they don't have the proper invitations. And so they have to sneak in with this stranger who comes up to them who says, like, my name's Long Fang. Uh, you two girls look like you need to get in and find your family. But then he won't leave them alone, so then they, you know, have to try to, like, ditch him. All right. Uh, but that's too long, so Aang and Sokka steal some uh, waiter outfits and sneak in the side on their own. Right. And it's a so lot they, of complicated plan making. It is. It's very good, though. It's fun to yeah. watch. And, um, you know, they get in and, you know, basically they're, they're found out almost instantly, you know, um, by Judy, by Judy, who's like, what the fuck are you doing here? And then Aang accidentally spills some like tea on someone and uses airbending to like, try to help but it only makes it worse but then she's like oh my gosh the avatars at this party and like we see judy looking like the world is gonna end um, i mean that smile like dropping off of her yeah. face is like one of the most like dramatic things in the show like, it's so I, I don't know. like you know things are bad when like the woman who will not stop smiling stops smiling Right, like, it would be fine if she kept smiling, but, like, it was sort of, like, a strained smile, like, uh-oh, this might be going bad, but no, it's the whole smile drops off, and she's yeah. like, oh, God, they I'm could kill so me fucked. for this, like, yeah. um, it, it's... you really are scared for her, right? and you're like, jeez, so, guys, show some compassion. So I think, you know, and, and, you know, we see the Earth King very briefly, and Aang sort of makes, like, a dash for him. But the he he gets taken out of the room, and instead Angum becomes face to face with uh, Long Fang, yeah. who they, they all get grabbed by the Dai Li, who right. use these kind of like rock hands as combination handcuffs and like grabby hands to yeah. grab people. It's um, pretty. It's cool. very good visualization. It's it's like the controlling invisible hand of the government. It's, right. It's very symbolic. Uh, very very symbolic. Um, and so... Better than but, but, metal-bending Spider-Man. <laughs> um, right. So, meanwhile, while all this is happening and the gang is encountering the Dai Li, we also have the B-plot where Jet is, uh, basically trying to out Zuko as an Iroh as firebenders, um, unsuc- unsuccessfully, and then so starts attacking Zuko, um, and Zuko just fights back with his swords, and, uh, you know, Iroh has already won some, like, renown and respect by being an excellent tea maker uh, at, like, this local place. Um, so, you know, the, the town sort of sides with them against this crazy guy who's just like, they're firebenders! Um, and so Jet ends up getting taken away. And, you know, as the kids are basically discovering that the Earth King is a puppet king, and Long Fang is really the true power here, and that right. But this know... is the weird thing, right? Is like this is where the 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 political message of the episode kind of falls apart. Okay, because it's kind of assuming on some level that the rightful king should and deserves the right to rule with impunity, which we'll see in Korra is obviously not the case. Um, true. And and so like it's considered like a perversion that the secret police is 
actually in charge, rather than just the idea that there is a secret police at all. <laughs> you know, like they seem to be under the impression that the Daily would be fine as long as the actual Earth King was uh, in in charge of it. Right. You know, well, the I problem mean, like... is that. Is that Longfang is is controlling the king? Listen, Avatar as a show is not particularly interested in, at, at least, yeah, like it, it's not interested in really interrogating monarchies and the idea of like inherited rule. You know, right? But it is like, interrogating who, who has the right to rule in this particular instance, which is just I'm just saying it's a slight like flaw in the constructed narrative of bossing say um where they've constructed a world that's very easy to point to and be like this is authoritarian this is totalitarian this is no good but mm-hmm. they've identified an incorrect root of the problem because it's a kid show we have other stuff to deal with we don't have time to deconstruct monarchy as a concept <laughs> right. et cetera, et cetera. because then we'll end up with fucking the president of republic city which is bad <laughs> right well i mean it just wouldn't make sense for this uh, this world. But, I mean, you could have a less sympathetic Earth King or have a, a dubiously, uh, you know, worthy Earth King and yeah. then just say, you know, we'll, we'll deal with this later, but I don't like this city. I, I don't like this city either. Right. Know? Yeah, um, but, it's yeah, possible. But it's so, or, so basically... Yeah, or the king could dissolve the Dai Li or whatever. I don't know. Whatever. Right. Um, doesn't the king do that in this one, though, or something? I don't well, remember. Well, they're definitely back by the time Korra happens, so... I mean, that's true, that's true. Um, <laughs> oh, Korra. Anyway. Um, yeah, so... so then the way that we connect the A and the B plot yeah. is really interesting, because Jet, after having tried to out Zuko as a firebender gets taken by the Dai Li and then thrown into this hypnosis machine, which is super cool. Yes. Um, and he, he gets brainwashed basically. And it's, he, he gets, uh, what is it? Is it 1984 or brave new world? <laughs> which one does the brainwashing? <laughs> I don't remember. He gets it brainwashed. It's, it's a very common trope in, in science fiction. And fantasy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, you know, like and they keep saying there is no war within the walls, and he's like, "What do you mean? Where do you think the refugees come from?" But they're like, "No, there is no war within the walls." Right. And they they wash his brain while Long Feng explains why they have to pretend that there's no war within the walls, which is, you know, it could cause unrest, it could undo our years of traditions, and blah 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 blah, blah. and it's 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 a really great tying together of an A plot and a B plot, Mm -hmm. which you don't get to see very often. Um, Yeah. And just like some of the other things that they're saying to jet down there are like, here we are safe here. We are free. Um, You know, and and it's this idea again, that like it's the walls that make us safe and free, but the walls are also controlling and limiting its citizens just as much as it's quote unquote, freeing them from this supposed worry. Um, like it's, it's a false sense of security, basically. Uh, and, and the last shot of the episode yeah. is so good. It's so oh creepy. Oh my God. They just have a different woman with a different voice actor come in and say, hi, I'm Judy. Because these tour guides are, they're fake. Fucking they're replaceable. 
Yeah. They're replaceable. They are, you know, simulacra. They, they have no original, but they are just fake people that walk around and, you know, tell people how to live their lives. <laughs> and oh, it's, it's, it's fantastic. And, you it know, is. it's hard to pull off horror in a show like this, but they do it. Repeatedly. They do it. It's really good. Um, yeah. So that's, that's Avatar's introduction to bossing, say, um, yeah. what's, what's Cora got to say about it? Cora's got conscription. Does. A draft, basically. Yep. A, a forced draft, uh, that's technically legal, as Boomy points out. Um, but it, that's what they're doing. So, you know... Jenora's flirting with Kai, who's the new street rat Aladdin that they picked up. So now she's Jasmine. Um, So, I I mean, with this relationship, I mean, it's pretty obvious when they're flirting and when they're not. So we know, by contrast, that Korra and Asami are not flirting because they don't blush. They don't get awkward around each other. They don't do all this stuff that seemed to be a prerequisite for Avatar romances. It happens with... Katara and uh, and Aang. It happens with uh, Sokka and and Suki. You need blushing. You need awkwardness. Yeah, it's important for there to be a ship. Yeah, can't have a ship without it. I mean, the fans of the show have long disagreed with that, as seen by the fact that they'll ship anyone with anyone. But like, right? What else is new in, in in the world? Um. All right. So you know. They, they go back to Bossing say and we see that not a lot has changed. There's still a lot of poverty. Uh, there's there's right. still this, like, very stratified um, society. It's, it's still kind right. of dystopian. It's still a lot of royalty and rules. Um, but there's, there's a difference, a key difference, which is that whereas the Earth King loved animals mm-hmm. uh, to the point where he had a birthday party for his bear, and, <laughs> you know, somebody was like, you know, the bear's eating all the food. Do you know how hard it was for me to get a seat this near the bear? Bear, yeah. Um, but um, this one, you can't have a bear because the queen hates animals. So it's trying yeah. to create a contrast that old king was kindly and sort of humble. And the queen is gaudy. She's covered in gold and jewels. Mm-hmm. She hates animals. She hates people. And she kind of um, hates her father. Like, she calls him weak a lot of a lot of times in these episodes. Um, right. Because she's she's mad at Cora's past life for the fact that her her dad gave away precious Earth Kingdom land to Republic City, and yeah. uh, it's weird she's... that there's imperialism in this world without a specific country being the imperialist. I mean, yeah, I guess it's kind of like you know the uh, the Fire Nation was standing in for the United States or, or Britain, mm-hmm. I guess, and sort of colonizing a big part and then leaving it and sort of letting it self-govern. Right. Um, so it's kind of like a Hong Kong situation. Yeah. I was definitely feeling like... It's not a like, direct analog, but it's kind of similar. Right. Or, or it felt a little bit like Russia and the Ukraine, you know, where it's like the Ukraine sure. doesn't necessarily want to be part of Russia, but Russia's like, yeah, but that was our land. And they're like all weird about it. Um yeah, so there's complicated, you know... Geopolitics. Sociopolitical thing, geopolit- geopolitical things going yeah. on. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. But the queen decides to send Korra on a video game fetch quest to get her gold from 
some local barbarians or whatever. Uh, and so she and Asami set off and have a fun little side adventure. And, you know, both of them are kind of like, this feels weird that we're taking all this gold from this really rundown town and everyone seems to be really scared of, like, the queen's guards. Like, this doesn't feel Yeah, but good. I have a problem with this. I, like governments have to collect taxes like yes. they're sort of implying that like any t- taking of taxes is stealing yes and i don't I believe agree. that taxation is theft because i'm I not agree. a libertarian i mean i agree with you uh like like one of my notes is literally earth queen is evil di- dictator because taxes <laughs> and also like... a military like yeah Everyone has military and taxes. That doesn't make you a dictator. Right. If, if they had a president, they'd be doing the exact same things. Right, so, exactly. They don't talk about taxes. I think it's the sort of thing where it's like, oh, but she's so so vain and, uh, like, she's a bad leader. You know, like, she, she abuses the tax system and makes them too high and what have you. Just to pay for her topiaries, her, which must cost, right. what, like, ten bucks? Like... <laughs> you know, like a thousand bucks or whatever. It's a very right. small part of a country's GDP. Like Right. But it's, like it, it's this idea I think it's, it's not they're, that they're trying to do a little bit of like a Asian version of Versailles, you know, where it's like the people. But it's like trying to say starving. like the White House lawn is like too well maintained. Like yeah, okay. you pay somebody to maintain the lawn. Right, right. Um but but you need to maintain it that well and be that particular. Uh, God, women women in capitalism, man. <laughs> they don't understand, right. man. Women just spend all the money on gold and shit, man. That's what <laughs> Cora's hot take is. Anyway. Right. Um, uh, meanwhile, well, Kai uh, has gotten into bossing, say, for two seconds and is immediately like, later, suckers, I'm going to go steal <laughs> some shit. Yeah. It's pretty dumb. So Mako was right, which I hate to admit, but... Uh, <laughs> Hashtag Mako was right! But well, uh, Mako as a cop, when he's not a cop, is just is is better than him before he was a cop. You know? I know that's a confusing sentence. Let me rephrase. Uh, <laughs> Mako being sort of a, a law enforcer, but not being not having a badge, makes him a lot cooler. So sure. when he's chasing after Kai and like doing cool flips to like go after him, <laughs> but he's not a cop. Right. It's more fun. Sure. Yes, I would agree with you. Um, and I think the the whole chase season with uh, chase scene with him and Bolin going after him, it's really fun and and seeing sort of Bolin's like sort of timid contrast versus Mako just like charging after this guy. Uh, it's it's pretty. It's some good good shit right there. And, uh, yeah. eventually, eventually we get the fact that, uh, Kai tricks them onto a train and they get stuck, uh, going into the regular part of Ba Sing Se. They go down like, to South Side, South Side <laughs> right. Chicago. Right, but he stole their wallets, uh, so they can't get back. And then, whoops, it's... They're it's back on happening. the streets. Yeah. Oh, it's the best. Like, this is such a good thing to do with their characters to, to kind of show, like, how far they've come. Because we've never actually seen them on the streets, but we know that they exactly, grew up on the streets. Is... So we get to see them. Oh, it's fantastic. It's such a bad mistake to have a not... Like, here's the thing. 
if season three of Korra was season one of Korra, like, can you imagine how much better the rest of it would be? Like, Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. I, uh, I think I think that Korra, like, season three only exists because of the mistakes that they learned in the first two. And it also draws a, a lot on, like, the characters that they've established so, so far. Um, but, like, I, I just think it's a solid season of television that, yeah. that, that they're really taking care to figure out the arcs of these characters as opposed right. to just sort of throwing them into a weird situation and seeing how they gel with it. Right. Um, or, or just like letting plot drive all of the action. Like it, it feels yeah. like some of this is a little bit more character driven, which is, is a nice change. Um, yeah. so, so and Bolin, they, they're hungry and they uh, <laughs> come across a fruit cart that's sort of filled with rotting fruit <laughs> and they start, arguing it's such a good scene such a funny scene and really makes you think classic avatar Mm -hmm. um because they're like no we don't want to steal this fruit it's uh it's rotten and then (laughs) the owner of the shop comes up is like what so you're my fruit's not good enough it's like no no first he says so you're gonna steal my fruit and mako's like no we would never steal this fruit he's like oh so you're too good to steal my fruit (laughs) (laughs) my fruit's not good enough for you uh, and he's like, no. And he's like, wait, do you want us to steal your fruit? fruit? Just he's try like, it. Yeah, it's great. Turns out this this little dork is their cousin, and they find their family. And it's a little contrived, but who cares? It's great. I mean, yeah, I mean, I believe it. Whatever. They're in, like, a city, and they just stumble across somebody who recognizes the scarf and their faces from mm-hmm. their oh, brother. Picture. You know? Yeah. It's fun. Yeah. So they they go and they uh they go meet the rest of the fam. And it's yeah. it's cool. Um But then but then they find out that the whole family thought that uh their parents were still alive and just not writing them for some reason. Right. But uh no, that didn't happen. Um meanwhile in a C plot, we're still remember the villains? <laughs> Those guys? Yeah. Uh Apparently they're still in trouble and there's one left in the the North Pole. And so I guess Desna and Eska are just in charge of the North Pole now. Yeah, I'm uncomfortable with that as well. I don't understand why or how that was allowed to happen. But I guess whatever. Um, They were next in line. Gotta follow it, even if it's to some creepy kids. And also, why are they ruling together? Are they married? I don't... It's it's just it's very bizarre, uh. But so, Zuko shows up and is this Korra's dad show up with them too, or is that yeah. later? Yeah, he shows up and they're like, let's go see the last evil villain, and she's all locked up and we can't see her face yet, and maybe something will happen there? Question mark. Uh, and then that yep. leads directly into the next episode in harm's way. When that's no snowstorm, that's the villain. Well, I, I think like the most important part of this episode is when Mako sort of resolves his character arc, where he meets his grandma and they talk about uh, his father, and he gives up his scarf, which, if you recall, I said in the first season it was like his scar. Um, uh-huh. you know, it's sort of Zuko's scar, but in the form of a scarf, but he's able to actually give it up and pass it on and say, I don't need this scarf anymore to remind me of my father. He would have wanted you to have it. So that's mm. like the resolution of his arc. He's found a family that he's willing to be a part of. 
Um, and he's over his trauma at losing his own parent. Okay, yeah. I, and there's sorry, also a quick little thought... thing about how uh, the grandma loves the queen um, uh, yeah. and worships her. Yeah, has a, has a picture of her on the, on the wall. Yeah, it's just like a little jab, it feels like, at like, Chinese people <laughs> for liking <laughs> their ruler. Like, it just feels very, like, uncomfortable. Yeah, and... it's a little pointed. Um... Yeah, so that's, like, the most of what we see of the family. In the next episode, titled In Harm's Way, uh, we're, like, Mako and Bolin, like, immediately get passports back to Korra to be like, yo, airbenders have been being kidnapped. Yes. Yo. It's bad. Um, uh, and they're like, I knew it. <laughs> they didn't know it. Right. And, you know, it, the the villain has also now gotten all four of the the bad guys out, or the other three bad guys, so it's the four of them now. Um, and turns out yep. the last one was Sparky Sparky Boom Boom Man's sister, who's a character we haven't seen yet in Avatar. Uh, but it's weird that there's another one. I mean, it's fine. It's just kind of weird. Do you not well, think it it's weird? It would be weird if they actually explored it in this season, but, um, you know, that was what it was sort of implied by having this new character, is that we would sort of get her backstory, and that would sort of reveal more about where these benders come from, and how they're treated, and what role they play in society. We don't get that. That's the no. unfortunate part. Yeah. Uh, her name is Pali. And she is getting warmer already when she hears that her boyfriend is coming, which is Yum. uncomfortable. <laughs> um, they they have that like classic like uh, bandit lover romance going on, you know. Like they they get in the car and the first thing they do is like make out, and everyone else is very yeah. uncomfortable, uh, which I kind of yeah. love. <laughs> and, and then Gazan has like his second line that he has. I'm gonna just count how many lines he has. So far, three, two, two. He had he had one line when he's released, and then this is his second line. <laughs> nice, um, yeah. Asami does something clever in this episode and serves she, a purpose. She does. Like she was fighting with Korra to steal tax money from the the poor people um, in the last episode. But in this one, she, you know, stalls for time by saying, hey, we've got engine trouble. So, you know, she's becoming more integrated into the group, doing more things. Right. Establishing herself more and her something, skill set. Something of a personality beyond just yeah. hot, hot, rich girl. Um, and <laughs> I will notice, though, everyone in this fucking show loves putting their hands on their hips. Like, it's just, like, the animator's go-to <laughs> pose for all of them. And I, for some reason, this is the episode where I noticed it. So this is my my Avatar, or, excuse me, Korra drinking game. Um, drink every, every time... Every put their hands on their hips. Uh, okay, it's drink every time a character puts a hands on their hip, but you drink twice if it's Mako. Because Mako really <laughs> suffers from this. Uh, um, and then I guess another thing to put on the, the drinking list is like every time Bolin is awkward and cringy. I mean, <laughs> that, I mean, that one, you'll just die of liver disease. This one at least gives right. you a fighting chance. <laughs> um, um, but, so yeah, we got, yeah. we got a, Kai's gone missing. He's, we can't find Kai. 
Can't find uh, him. We assume that he's been taken by the uh, by the Dai to be conscripted into the Earth Kingdom army, but we have no evidence of that. Uh, no, don't we see him get taken at either the end of the last episode or... We saw like, it, but the oh, gang oh. doesn't. The gang doesn't, that's true. Yeah, they just kind of assume it and they're right. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, it's yeah, the same so way. Trying to look for this place, they go to Lake Laogai, you know, sort of a callback to an episode that we're going to talk about next week. <laughs> or next time. Yeah, um, next time. Uh... And, uh, yeah, I mean, like, that's a good place to look. They don't find anything. And then Janora's like, I can astral project. Because, <laughs> sure, whatever. Fuck it. It's an airbending technique with a little... Spirit. Uh, spirit magic. thrown in for good measure. Because, you know, like, the spirit portals are open now, so now people can do spirit shit more, I guess question mark well it's, i mean it's like, fine a spirit thing is like i guess something that anybody can do if they just sort of you know right meditate enough but like I, I just don't understand how is astral projecting an airbending thing i don't i mean i don't like, know that it is an airbending thing does she say it's an airbending thing specifically yeah she says it's a it's an advanced airbending technique with a little bit of spirituality thrown mm. in or something mm. um and then you know it's like this is supposed to be, like, the airbending version of, like, metal bending. Like, it's a high-level technique that only a few people can learn. Right. Uh, but it doesn't, like... It doesn't, doesn't read connect. that way. Yeah, it doesn't How is that make... related to air? <laughs> I don't know. It's, you're not Especially... bending the air. You're just teleporting your soul. Especially when we've already been using, like, water as the element that, like, purifies spirits and things like that. You know, like, like there's already sort of yeah, another element connected to it it's it's just a well, little they're all strange. connected to spirituality but well, i'm just saying yes. why does this why does being able to move the air with your hands make you <sighs> then able to teleport your brain to another plane of existence i don't know it doesn't make sense but she does it um yeah uh then lynn shows up out of fucking nowhere and it's just like i have to protect the avatar and it's like, why is this your job? Shouldn't that be the White Lotus? Like, why are you here? I, I don't guess, understand. but maybe she's, you know, appointed, like, maybe it's considered a, a national security threat, and she's, I guess, the chief of police at the but, capital. But Korra's so... been exiled from there. We have no proof that any of these villains are in or near Republic City. Maybe she's just City. there on her free time. That, <laughs> have we considered that, that she's not here on assignment? <laughs> I mean, I've considered it, but, like, she treats it like it's a job, you know? Because it's not like she likes Korra that much. She's still, like, pretty, like, meh on Korra as a person, you know? Well, she just seems kind of meh on everybody. I don't, <laughs> she might love Korra, for all I know. Like, <laughs> who, who can tell? Um, she might think of her as a daughter. Like, who, who the fuck knows this one? Also, I just, I just love the fact that, like, Lynn is immediately fine with breaking the laws of, like, the, of bossing, say, the minute she's there. Yeah, I mean, this there. could be an international incident. I mean, holy shit. And she's just like, no, nah, like, let's, let's go Someone with close ties to President Raiko d does an illegal uh, intelligence mission to, To like, steal an army, basically, from the Earth yeah. Queen. Like... That's some real yeah. shit. And she's just like, yeah, why not? Um, also, like, here, here's my question. is like, she's the one who sort of reveals that the reason the villains 
like what part of what their plan is is they tried to kidnap Cora as a baby. And so now they're yeah. all out again, so they assume that they're coming for Cora again, but they were never able to ascertain what their motives were the first time. So like we it's still this that mystery of what they're of what they're after. Um that but, is what they said. Yes. And it, it's just I don't know, she's like Lynn is like, yes, me and Tenzin and your father and all these other people stopped this attack all these years ago. And it's like, wait, if that was true, Lynn, wouldn't you have like a maybe like a different set of feelings towards this baby that you rescued at one point? Like, wouldn't they all have like known each other a little bit more? Uh, like, that's maybe kind of she a... did. I don't know. Like, maybe she again. Maybe she loves Cora. Like, she just. <laughs> Is not a very emotive character. I don't know. It's just like this weird like retcon plot thing. It's not like that much of a retcon, but it's just like, yes, all of these characters we already know who were all kind of separate from each other once worked it also together. Makes it, it does sort of repair a plot hole. Like it is a retcon, but it does kind of repair the plot hole of like, why was this avatar raised in captivity? Right. Basically? Right. Like, I, this isn't I, normal. I agree for that, for why it makes sense that, you know, she was sort of raised in such a secluded way. Uh, but I think it it just feels weird to have all of these, like, adult characters suddenly feel like they've all been in this, like, weird conspiracy where they've been keeping this fact from Korra for, like, her entire life, you know? And... Mm-hmm. honestly tracks for the way that the show has done shit like this in the past, but it just feels right. strange. It is strange. Um, but anyway, like that obviously has to be put to the side because right. Kai's been uh, kidnapped. Yes. So they break into the place underneath the, the earth temple or something and they find all of the, the them training down there, and it's like a brutal training regimen where they like make them hit each other with rocks. And it's like, is this what training is? I don't know. Um, seems like not. Like, is right. training literally just throwing people into walls and breaking their bones? I I don't know, or just throwing rocks at them. And I, some part of me feels like it's more about like breaking their spirits. A little bit to make sure. them, quote-unquote, good but soldiers. Like, wh- here's the thing that really doesn't make sense, though, right? Is, like, are you really telling me that none of the people here wouldn't have joined the, Willingly. the army voluntarily? Right. Or that if they did refuse and they just said, well, it's required by law that you join, that they wouldn't just join out of, like, a sense of, I don't want to go to jail? Right. It's It's very strange that their first instinct is just, nope, kidnapping. Um, I mean, it seemed like in the in like the last few episodes, they had such self awareness about what people's motivations were, like why somebody would choose to go with uh, Tenzin with, or not, you know, Tenzin to the Air Temple. Right. But here, they're like, no, nobody would just voluntarily join an army after discovering that they're a, a, an Airbender, and it's like, no, they definitely would. Right. I mean, where do you think the armies come from now? They're not all cons- conscripts. Right. They're in fact. A lot of them, especially in like the developed world, uh, they're they're mostly people who sign up voluntarily for whatever reason, and you know, or even could... when you have mandatory conscripts for everybody, like in the IDF in Israel, right? Like people are super into it, you know, because right. there's propaganda everywhere. You know, people are 
expected to do this since they're born. Right, exactly. And, you know, even if it's something that you have to do, there's still lots of people who like doing it, you know? Like, think of school. Like, you have to go to school. And there are plenty of people who really like going to school. And then there's also people who fucking hate it. (laughs) But, like, they... And they they just do it anyway. Exactly, exactly. So, I I, I agree with you that this one... It, it feels, I, I understand why it's there, because it needs to be there for them to find a reason to, quote-unquote, save all of these airbenders and have them be so grateful that they want to go join Tenzin and do air temple shit. Right. So they break them out, and it's like they're breaking them out of prison, and everybody agrees to go, and no one rats them out, and no one turns them in. Uh, mm-hmm. Janora goes and, like, immediately kisses Kai, even though they've had, like, three lines of dialogue shared. Right. It's gross. It's uh, weird. I, I, I'm, I feel icky watching <laughs> Why do you feel icky? Because they're, they're just, like, children, and they have no relationship with each other, and it's gross. <laughs> Alright. I mean, it, it's... It's whatever. Like, it's um, stupid. And, and then Bolin... What makes it more gross to me is just that Bolin starts, like, squeeing oh, at the yeah. romance. Right. And it's super cringe. And I just, like, I want to die. I mean, uh, the worst part of it is that he's like, ooh, can't tell Tenzin. Tenzin will be so mad. And I fucking hate the possessive dad trope. It's, like, the most gross, misogynistic Right, but, I mean, thing. to be fair, what is she, like, 11? Like, I she's know. very young. She's young, but, like, 11-year-olds get crushes and, like... Right, but they don't immediately just start smooching and, like, now we're dating because I've known you for six seconds and you're a known criminal. Like, because I like bad boys. She loves bad boys. Yeah. She's a jasmine. She's got to get her Aladdin, David. It's it's fate. Gotta get her street rat. Don't you know Um, how this goes? Whatever. (laughs) So then they're all running away, and they're flying away on Appa. Uh, No, it's not Appa. Some people get left behind, and they're just running in a straight line away from bullets that are being fired, like rock bullets. And I'm just like, all right, first of all, so none of the Dai Li can metal bend, you're telling me? <laughs> uh, you're also telling me that, uh, y- you know, these these people don't know how to run serpentine. They're just going to run in a straight line. Right. Okay, that's actually a great point that you brought up about the Dai Li. Because if there's any fighting force, like, they're supposed to be this elite secret fighting force you think like metal bending would be such a useful and key skill for these agents and yet no it's just the republic city cops who are all metal benders like well yeah what? I mean, they haven't changed the dailies outfits they haven't changed their weapons i mean because they're they're just there mainly to be a callback all right they didn't want to re-establish what the city looked like so it basically looks the same all right which is just, it's so uninteresting. You could have done more with it. Um, but I will say, some of the fights were pretty cool. Um, There's some, some dynamic shots, some some fun battle. But you're right, when they start running away, it's pretty uh, pretty goofy. <laughs> right. But they, they um, make it out. They get onto the they ships. They uh, they steal all the and Earth now Queen suddenly shit. every single person who they broke out wants to go with Tenzin to Avatar Land or yeah. to, to Airbender Land. Like, 
this is so unbelievable. Like, these people have been kidnapped from their homes, from their jobs, from their families. You're telling me none of them want to go back? Right, or at least want to, like, send word to their family and be like, no, just well, come... Well, I mean, I'm sure Tenzin will send word to their families, but, like, they might want to go somewhere else, go to the countryside, go anywhere. Like... Right. They're being offered like, a free ticket out of the slums of Ba Sing Se. <laughs> right. And they're not taking it? Like, they're just going to Airbender Island to live uh, a chaste life with no possessions and no <laughs> meat? Well, not... I don't know about chaste. Uh, you gotta well, okay, make not more, chaste, but more kids. For the I, but, I mean, like... Uh, what's the word? Uh, a life without wealth, without possessions. Right. A, a simple life. Sure. A, um, a non-material so I life. I don't believe that so many people would, would agree to that from no, this group. I, um, I, I agree. It's unrealistic that all of them decide. Especially when they were trying to paint it in this like semi-realistic manner earlier with people saying, no, I don't want to leave my farm or like my house to go hang out with you, you weird missionary, you know? Right. Like, it's just, it's a little strange. Um, But, but but yeah. Now the group is splitting up. Now the group's splitting up, I guess. Yeah, I think it's great. We're, we're winnowing down. Now we're just going to the main four on their journey, and then everyone else is going to hang out on uh, at, at the uh, the air the air temples. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's that's about where we're at. Uh, <laughs> we're gonna continue to to dig into the Earth Kingdom and uh, what what it looks like in both Korra and um, Avatar next week as well, and. Uh, yeah. A lot of, a lot and next of year we're getting some uh, some friendly little filler, a little yes. filler time. Some 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 Take nice a break, break from the action. A nice break from all of this plot that has really just been like barreling down at us. Uh, yeah. I, Do you guys I'm feel recapped? Do you feel like we hit all the main plot points? Yeah. Tell us Let if us we know. didn't. Um, yeah. Tweet we're, at all, us. we're all at Talking Tropes uh, on Twitter. We're at Talking Tropes. On all the places, we're on Spotify now. Uh, now we're yeah. posting uh, some of our old podcasts to YouTube. Uh, you can find us just by Googling Talking Tropes Podcast. Uh, yeah. We're, right. we're everywhere. We're everywhere, escape. man. Uh, we're everywhere, like the Dai Li. <laughs> we're watching you right now. We're watching you as you listen to us. It's, Catch it's, you later. It's beautiful. Bye. Catch you and hypnotize you later. <laughs>